hello, everybody, and welcome to Documentation Not Included. It's Thursday, 7 p.m. BST, and it's hot. And we're live at twitch.tv slash DNI stream. It's time for episode, and we're kind of going back here, 1.1. <laughs> Python, the second language. I'm Josie Howarth, and today I am joined by one of the coolest individuals on the planet, Chris Seabach, and our guest, Owen Williams. Thank you very much, Josie, and of course... You're nearly as awesome, Josie. Nearly. And yes, I modified <laughs> I modified what you wrote. I caught you because I read the I read the script before you did this. <laughs> You're catching up I... with me at least anyway. <laughs> one week, one week. Um as always, a big thank you to everybody in chat. Thank you very much for listening and please do get involved with the show. If you say something relevant, funny or non relevant or not funny, we might read it out. So, you know, if you're lucky, get involved. And we'll uh, we'll go from there. Um, it's time to meet our guest, Owen Williams. Why don't you take a moment, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. Cool, sure, thanks. Um, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, I'm Owen, I'm based in Edinburgh, here in Scotland. And I work for a small digital agency um, called Lewis as a Embraco developer. Um, been working with Embraco for about two and a half years. Uh, I'm MVP Embraco. Ambassador for Git Kraken and just a social media kind of person. I'm on social media and things. So I already have a few things here. One, Umbraco or Umbraco? I say Umbraco. See, I hear lots of people say Umbraco, but I've always said yeah. Umbraco. But I've, I used to call, call Doctor Who Cybermen Cybermen. So <laughs> I'm, I'm useless to that. Um, I've forgotten the other one already, but it doesn't matter. Come on, Josie. <laughs> ambassador. Yay! Oh, yes, Ambassador. So you're a, you're a dirty um, Git UI user. I, I am. Oh, I mean, I've not no problem with, with Git UIs, really, but I'm, I'm a command line freak. So. <laughs> oh, so, hey. It's like we were discussing. I was um, I started my computing career as MS-DOS, um, yeah. but I've just, I've just got used to having a nice GUI in front of me, and it looks pretty and... Yeah, I'm lazy. I just, I, yeah. <laughs> we're not talking about that this show. We'll have a good at some point. <laughs> we, we'll definitely have to get into that at some point, especially considering we're both ambassadors. <laughs> so, icebreaker time. This is where we do a quick icebreaker question to get in to know each other better and to basically peel back our skin of our brains and skulls and let you. I don't know, fingers in and squidgy it. He said gooey, so my brain is focused on the word gooey. It's me, me also, and my pronunciations. Gooey, gee, 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 wow. There's There was a debate on Reddit about how to pronounce gooey, and I'm like, you know, I'm not going in there. But anyway, so here's our icebreaker question. What was your favorite piece of clothing when you were a child? I immediately know what my least favorite piece of clothing was, but... <laughs> Um, I'm going to guest's privilege. Owen can go first. On the, on the spot. Um, I don't know, do welly boots count as clothing? Yes. Yep. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, I used to just walk around in my welly boots. There's, there's, do they oh. have a design or a colour? Nope. I think they were, I think they were, well, I think they were yellow. Um, I, I grew up in the Isle, Isle of Tyree on the West Coast. So it's very kind of fisherman orientated so yellow wellies so they were my they were my thing <laughs> on the west coast did you say yeah i, I yeah. used to go to stran ra um for holiday oh, okay. quite a lot i mean probably not close to i don't know where the isle of tyree is actually but is there anywhere near that um kind of further west so we're right. in the inner hebrides right right see so, yeah, a tiny little island on the west coast but anyway yeah <laughs> favorite piece of clothing as a child um uh-huh I had a I had a hat um, that I, I it's a really bad reason for liking this hat, but it's the only piece of clothing that I have any kind of memory of as a child. I used a hat to cover up um, some um, coins, like some plastic coins that I had um, lifted, let's say, from school. Um, you know these, you know the pound coins and the fifty p's and things that you used to get to to practice counting. I got into a lot of trouble when my mum found out about that, but and I haven't touched anything since. But it, it was a hat and it was a flat cap. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was my favourite piece of clothing for a long time. Oh, uh, see, mine is. Oh gosh, this 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 reveals so much about me. When I was younger, do you remember the footy pajamas that you had that you could wear? You they were basically one 
suit kind of pajama type thingies. You put your feet into them onesie. and then they go over your, yeah, yeah they're onesies, onesies. Yeah. that kind of a thing. I had this thing where I would put one on and then I would demand another one be put onto my arms so I had a cape. <laughs> so I would run around basically with a cape. So when I was younger, I was already a superhero in my brain. Hashtag it was not a dress. Anyway. <laughs> But yes, that that was my favorite. I don't know why. I don't remember much, but I, there are so many pictures of me with this. And it, I mean, this was around the time when I started taking apart stereo systems because I wanted to find the tiny people. <laughs> I, mm. I was really pissed when I couldn't find the tiny people in the stereo <laughs> systems. But yeah. And Venus says socks. They're still her favorite piece of clothing. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. I, I still can't remember, can't think of anything. I remember lots of different fabric. I had some curtains that I really liked as, as, a, as a kid, but I've, I've still got them. There were Star Wars curtains. And, uh, oh, that's a, that's a load. Yeah, probably worth a mint now, actually. But apart from the fact I cut them with a pair of scissors when I was a child, I was a little bastard. I was. A, I was a little... And then this has changed? <laughs> well, okay. I'm, now you I'm a big bastard. My script. I will not forgive you for changing. Ah. Yeah. So now on to this week's subject, um, Python, the second language. Before we dig in into why Owen is, is learning this second language, or, or at least another language on top of the most perfect language in the world, C-sharp, um, well, let's define what a programming language is for, the, for those listeners who may not know the difference between a scripting language or a, a, a higher level language. What, where, where do we start with that, I suppose? What do we... What what is the uh, definition of a programming language? Now, do you have one, Owen? Because I've got one. Um, to be honest, I hadn't really thought about it, but I, I suppose for me it would be um, probably something that I have to compile, if that makes sense. So mm. um, that that's where I would kind of go. That's what my kind of what is the language? If I have to compile it, then I would call it as as a language rather than a script. So you, you wouldn't call a scripting language a programming language. You'd call that a scripting language specifically. You wouldn't. I mean, to me, they're one and the same because we can write script. I could write scripts in C sharp. They're not compiled. True. PowerShell, True. for example, allows you to use C sharp scripts. They don't get compiled. They actually run in the um, what's it called? I've forgotten the name of it, but whatever PowerShell uses to to interpret the C sharp side of things, that doesn't. That that's still the same programming language. You write it in the same way. Yeah. No, that's and, a good point. Yeah. So I mean, but <laughs> I, I, here's where I, I, I jump in. I can see the compiling thing, you know, and then of course you start looking at things like SAS or less, you know, and you have to uh, compile sure. your CSS script and mm -hmm. so transpile. To me, no, exactly. To me, uh, it's anything that you write that allows you to manipulate or modify hardware in some way, shape, or form. And if you write an application, you're still manipulating hardware. Mm -hmm. You're just manipulating the RAM, you're manipulating the CPU, you're using the video card to draw graphics, or like however you want to look at it. It's it's not just interacting, it's you're commanding a system to do something. Hmm. That's think... the way I would, I that to me, it is the, it's not obfuscation, it's the more and more we pull away the from abstraction. action. Yeah, abstraction. The word of the, but, the but series. But ACL yeah. is a programming language, and ACL is machine language. But I think what we're, what we're talking about here is something that has instructions, that instructs the computer to do something specifically, isn't it? And Algorithms. Yeah, well, everything, <laughs> everything on a computer basically instructs it to do something. So I... I think there is a, there's a, there's a distinction. In terms of a language, anyway, there's a distinction between... A, com a compiled language and a transpiled language and or even transpiles it, it's we're still compiling it in a way it's just compiling it into another language you know like typescript into javascript but i think there are actually typescript compilers as well out there <laughs> so, so this is where things start getting really weird this is why i think it's more I, I, having discussed this now it's more the intent you know because yeah. if you look at people who use lua to write mods for games or things like that in a way they're doing a programming thing in lua although lua isn't necessarily seen as programming language it's more like a scripting thing it's to me still, 
it's intent. It's you're writing something with the intent to control the output in some way, shape, or form. A lot of the time, we don't care what we what the what goes on in the background, especially as higher level programmers. I mean, I don't write I don't write machine language. I don't understand binary instructions, and I, I don't I, I never need to the the stuff that I do. I write structured code, usually type safe, strongly typed structured code. Maybe not in JavaScript, but you, you know it. it it's <laughs> And and that is, it just tells something to do something, you know. And whether it's a browser, you know, or or it's a uh, it's a CPU. I mean, even the browser down the line is telling the CPU to do something. But it's still, to me, a language is a language. It doesn't really matter. And I've, as much as I've poked Owen for the last, <laughs> last few days on Twitter about C sharp being better than everything else, I don't actually believe that. You know, it is just one way. It's one method, one way for us to get a result. And I know C-sharp inside and out, so it's my preferred language. But I know lots of satellite languages. Yeah, and just to put the nail in the coffin of what definition is for a programming language, I'm just going to quote Wikipedia. No. Wikipedia says, <laughs> I love this, a programming language is a formal language that specifies a set of instructions that can be used to produce various kinds of output. Programming languages generally consist of instructions for a computer. Programming languages can also be used to create programs that implement specific algorithms. So we said all the keywords. very loosely. <laughs> yes. If, if, if we were playing Jeopardy or something like that, you know, we might, might win the double Jeopardy. We were in a job interview, would have uh, maybe got the job. <laughs> maybe, quite possibly. But yes. So what? Why? So, I want. I want to know then. Why? Why have you chosen to pick up Python over other languages? Is there a specific uh, project that you started working on, or is it something you're doing in your spare time? Um, this is absolutely my spare time. Um, basically, I've got multiple Raspberry Pis and the wee computers kind of dotted around my house. Um, and ever since I bought the first one, it, it has a on the drop down menu. It has Python. Okay. So I was, I was basically that's it. Is it like that that drew my attention to it. And I was like, well, if I could learn Python, then I can maybe do a bit more customization on my Raspberry Pi. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I I've got a few Raspberry Pis myself, and, and one's uh, RetroPie, so it doesn't I don't do anything with it apart from install games on it. And the other one, I was starting to write a home automation system on it, but I used it Node. I decided to install Node and play around with it. I didn't even consider yeah. Python. Yeah, I'm. I suppose it's. I don't really have much front end knowledge. Um, a lot of my work is C Sharp .NET. Um, so it was kind of like, well, I'll go down a programming language kind of style of, and I've, I've seen a lot of talk on uh, social media and websites about python how it's kind of it's it's kind of found its feet now and it's been around for a while and there's a new like there's versions coming out of it it's not a language it's just gonna die no so I, I don't i don't want to spend all my time learning a new language to find out actually six months down the line it's not getting used by anybody um Oh, you mean like Angular frameworks? No. <laughs> it's that whole flavor of the month kind of thing. And it's interesting you say that it's not going to die. Python's been around since 19, the early, early 1900s. 1900s. Whoa. 1990s. Wow. <laughs> Jesus <really> Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I've seen Python in the, in the works for many, many years. It's not something that I've ever looked at. I'm, I can't even visualize what, how it sits together what, does it have semicolons has it got you know what's the syntax like i've got yeah. no idea because I, it's not something that i've ever needed to learn sure but i've needed to learn lots of languages i just don't that hasn't come up yeah. well, what languages do you like what was your first programming language or language of any variety because uh, my first one is probably, is probably COBOL, um at, at university not fortran no, four track. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, cool. my, my first was basic on the Commodore 64, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just copying out of magazines and, yeah. you know. But my first official language was VB Script. Okay. So that wasn't compiled either. Yeah, well, oh, man, it, it's, like, I, I've done Fortran, I've done Cobol. I can't remember what order I got things in. It was, then came C. C++. We got and taught then, Pascal. What's funny is I went from C++ college. to C Sharp. 
And at the time, there was a big sort of hoo-ha about the fact that C-sharp had issues with pointers and something or other. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and and like because there was a huge group of us that were doing this sort of transition into C-sharp. And um, I just remember... Like the teacher was like, I really don't want to teach you this, but I have to, so you guys all understand what's going on. There's this problem, and it's this thing, and I'm just in there going, okay. That's like what I remember of my introduction to C sharp. But yeah, so for you, I hear a, a seagull. It's all yeah. going on outside. I'm sorry, I really can't close my windows today. It's so hot in this room. It's, it's not happening. That's okay. If you hear noise or music in the background, we have an ice cream truck that keeps blowing past, etc. But yes, so for you, you just were interested in learning in Python, learning in Python, learning Python, because yeah. it was a language that, in your opinion, is going to be around. You're not wasting your time or effort. Yeah, but also I had... Well, I've got ideas of what I want to do with my Raspberry Pi. So it was it kind of just made sense of, well, if I learn Python, then I can maybe learn a bit more about just improve my programming skills, I guess. Um, and hopefully I'll have a project to learn from because there's times I've, I've tried to learn languages just by reading books. Mm. And unless you've, unless you've got a project to actually push you forward and keep your motivation going, then you're, you're just going to give up. Which I have it's, done. It's a pretty common <laughs> theme on this show, and I think with every programmer in, in the on the planet, that if you need to learn something or you want to learn something, do a project. I yep. I learned Angular through number a number of different projects. I learned C sharp through a specific project project back in the day. I was a VB programmer before then. Sorry, um, <laughs> but you know it's it's, <laughs> it's yeah. your fault. Yeah. It's your fault. <laughs> um, so Tepe in chat says that they started with Java. Um, but never really got far, then started PLC programming and structured text. And now he's learning C, C++ for embedded programming, and he's poking Python as well. Cool. So we've all made the transition between languages at least once in our life. I mean, you don't start with one. In our world, you discover yeah. something and you have to go exploring. What was the biggest thing that shocked you when transitioning from C Sharp to Python? Um, I'd say I'm still very much in the transition. So basically, I've... I've, I've so far, what is the I thing know, that has stood yeah, out yeah. to you that just um, made you go, mind blown? So far, it's, it's really simple. It's their if statements. Okay. <laughs> so basically, in, in C Sharp, do your if statement and you open up your curly brackets and you put everything in there. It's nice. It looks nice. It's just It just looks nice. With Python, it it's um, to make it an if statement, you put four spaces. So what? four sp four space bars is your oh, F statement. Oh no, we're getting into list territory here. <laughs> so luckily, um, Visual Studio Code um, basically takes the new line for you and indents it and everything, and so you don't have to constantly think space space space. Um, but yeah, that that was initially. I was just like, I don't understand this. Reading somebody else's code, I was like, what is this thing? I mean, how does this work? Um, but yeah, it's the the four spaces. Mm, that is, uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. I, I, so I can't even visualize it, so it's, it's difficult for me. Um, I should really have done a little bit of uh, research and at least had a look at some Hello World, you know, examples and just to, to get my head around it. What what about things like syntax then, apart from just the, the spaces? What other yep. differences are there between C Sharp and There's no need Python? to um, basically have any functions. Um, you can literally just open up a console and type print Hello World with, mm -hmm. a, with, a, with a couple of brackets and things, but basically that will just run. You don't have to call a method. You just, it just does it. You don't have to declare um, your variables. So if you want to have it as a decimal or a float or anything like that, you don't have to declare them. It just works it out. So if your numbers, for example, if you've got a, a decimal of 10, it just knows that's a decimal. If you want to make it a float, you just put it 10.1 and right. it just accepts it. So what, what do you do about doubles and uh, the differences between doubles and decimals? Again, I'm still going through that, but there was a difference. But again, yeah, you don't need to tell it. Um, so you don't, have to, you don't have to clear it. Duck typed then in that case. Is that duck typing or is that loose typing? Not For sure. some reason, I, I thought you said something else. What? <laughs> I thought you said oh. duct taping. I'm like, 
Yes, duct it's duct taping. Duct taping a language? <laughs> We're duct taping a language. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. Um, so, okay. So, yeah, it sounds like it's a, it's a bit looser, but you said you don't have to declare methods and functions. Do, can you, though? Can you still create classes? Yeah. Is, it, is it still an yeah. object-oriented language? Yeah. As far okay. as I can, as far as I, basically I'm kind of following um, this online course just now, so I've only been going that for about three weeks, okay. kind of part time ish. Um, but yeah, you, it's you can make it object oriented, and there's um, basically the, the further into this course I'm going, they are kind of saying yes, you can make it object oriented, and they highly recommend that you do, because um, otherwise it just gets into a horrible mess. Uh huh. Mm. That, that that just makes me smile in ways that I really really shouldn't considering. Well, so the language itself, have you found yourself comparing it to C-sharp? I mean, obviously we do, yeah. but have you found yourself going, oh, if only C-sharp had this, or man, if only Python had this? Um, I think it's still too early for me to kind of say I'm missing this or I wish it could do that. Um, but I definitely am comparing it. Um, I think you just have to. I mean, it's just you, you're starting to type something, you go, oh, no, that's C-sharp. Um, and then you, you kind of undo what you're doing. Um, but yeah, it's 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 nice enough for me to actually go, actually, this is pretty much the same in C-sharp and the syntax isn't hugely different. Um, so it's close enough to for me to think, actually, I'll be able to pick this up actually quite quickly or, or quicker than I thought I might um, if I compared it to a, another programming language. I'm trying to pick one off the top of my head, but I can't. But it's, 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 <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's similar enough that I, I feel going from C sharp to Python is actually going to be not too difficult to do, um, which is reassuring. Are you going to look at other languages after Python? Do you think? Yeah, that's the, that's that's the plan. Um, it's like I, I was um, kind of basically the reason I got into the, or deciding that I had to learn another language was. Um, I was reading the book uh, Pragmatic, Pragmatic Programmer, easy for me to say, um, and it, they, they suggest that you learn a language every 12 months, if you can. So I was like, actually, yeah, I've been sitting in my job for quite a few years now. I've been a developer for quite a while, and I only really do C-sharp, and um, that's it. And I was like, really, my CV really needs to look a bit better than this, <laughs> if yeah. nothing else. Or um, CV-driven development. There we go. That's the one. Uh, so I've just I've just been looking up um, some things on Python just very briefly, and it looks like it's, it supports floats, which is why you can type in everything. Float is the the most accurate type of number you can use within a, a program. Most programming languages, I imagine. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many decimal points you can have, but floats are the most the, the longest. Um, yeah. And also uh, the if statement thing, you can actually use tabs as well. Not just spaces. Yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But I think they were trying to say pick one or the other. Yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> well, I mean, that's consistency. Yeah. I mean, when yeah, you yeah. when you have, uh, gosh, I, I can't even think. There's so many different languages where if you don't use the correct carriage return code, or like if you don't use, it gets really picky about how many spaces you have between that curly bracket or that function or that indent or that variable. Like it can get crazy. It can get absolutely insane and frustrating and make me want to cry. <laughs> um, but yes, so you got involved in Python because it was just there. You found a book that said you should probably learn a language of thing. You're looking at CV-driven kind of yep. development. What is your project? Um, what I've, is it you want your Python to do? I've got a couple. Um, but I'm, I'm First one is basically in our office. We've got a table tennis table, um, and my plan is to uh, create um, a Python-driven scoreboard. Okay. Um, so my plan is to expand the, the Raspberry Pi wee bit as well and put buttons um, coming off it. So either end of the table tennis table there'll be a button, so you can score yourself, and it'll put um, the result onto um, a screen. So you mean you haven't considered putting sensors all the way around the the table tennis thing and detecting when it goes off and when it's off for a certain amount of time? We have, this is where we, I go when yeah. I. <laughs> and see, this is funny because this shows <laughs> this shows the difference between Chris and I. Chris is like, you know, the sensor thing. I'm like, why would you want to give the power to the person to control their own score? It should be in someone else's hands. I like it. So I'm looking at the security side. <laughs> I'm like. Hmm. And are you going to get an Arduino involved, or are you just sticking with the pie? 
Um, just now, it'll just be the pie, I think. Um, start start slow and then uh, build up. But yeah, so that's, that's that's my first kind of project. And the other one was, um, I've read a lot about um, automation with Python. Um, so it can kind of do all the, the grafting for me. So we've, we've got a client who builds, um, they've got a mortgage calculator and we run hundreds of tests through this mortgage calculator. So my plan is to write a Python program that uh, reads basically all the tests that they send us, which is usually an Excel spreadsheet, mm. and get that to automate through our testing, um, which I know we could do through unit testing and um, through C Sharp and Visual Studio, but it's just another little side project that I quite fancy just using. Why as not? A, yeah. Why not? As long can I throw as... something really cool out there for you? Sure. For Python, you can do some really cool things. Did you know that Eve Online is heavily driven by Python? I did not. Is, I I'm know. presuming it uses a script, a script in language. And I've just, just again, just read that it's an interpreted language, Python, so it isn't actually compiled either. So it's like a PowerShell. Uh, it's like a, a JavaScript. It's, it's not it's actually... Scripting! Yeah, so it is scripting. Um, but yeah. it's interesting that we can we can also... It is object-oriented in, in some yeah. respect. Yeah, apparently Python. This is interesting. I like I've dabbled in the Python because like no step on snake, boop the snoot. Anything that involves snakes, I get excited by. Um, but I've just discovered apparently that Python's also used for the more complex graphic intensive films by the industrial light and magic people. So it's used in that as well. Yeah. It's actually, so quite, it's actually quite a nice looking language. It's not too different. From what I'm used to, um, in my in in all of the languages I use, you know, yeah, there's there's no crazy uh, syntax or madness with, you know, greater than less than signs, bit shifting and all. Well, I'm sure you oh, can, no, I, sure you yeah, can do that, but that's that's what I kind of liked is that when I was kind of so far going through the courses that I've been going through, nothing's jumped out and went, what? Well, yeah. other, other other than the spaces, <laughs> there's nothing that's kind of really confused me and. Um, yeah, it looks it looks quite nice or very nice. That's see, that's one of the things for me. I mean, Chris, what was like your transition from your first language to your second language? Uh, baptism or of even... fire, and it was <laughs> it was um, well, first first language and second language actually wasn't too difficult because I went from VB script. I was a classic ASP developer, and it was all self taught, um, and it was hideous. I mean, I was bad at it, you know. It was it, it was a bad language to actually write in as well, to be honest. And then I went to VB6, which at the time was out of date. I should have been moving to VB.net, but the company I started working for, that was the opportunity, and that's what I went to. Um, and jumping into that and jumping in, into apartment threading, which is, again, one of the most hideous things on the planet, VB6 apartment threading. Um, jumping from that into a a monolithic application that at least i mean it didn't it really was a scripted application it wasn't it wasn't very well structured it was different there was more things available to me and there were more things available out of the box because um classic asp you had to import um you had to import third party plugins and you had to uh, integrate it into your html scripts like uh, like php used to be Again, I don't know PHP has, has moved on since then, but PHP used to be you could insert bits into your HTML and it rendered as the page was interpreted. Um, but now it's all about rendering things on the back end or or even on the front end in single page applications, so it's very different. But yeah, I moved, I don't know, I moved fairly easily into that. I just got thrown into it, but I also had to learn SQL, um, Transact SQL at the same time, which was a hefty jump, and that's what I got from that that. Um, particular job is that I learned everything I ever I have ever needed to learn about SQL from then. I've never had a job as complicated because it was a lot of data, a lot, and and Transact SQL is nothing like. Um, I mean, you've got, it's a bit more like VB, I suppose, than anything else, but it's still very. Its its aims are different. Let's put it that way. For me, it was um, the bouncing between object-oriented and non-object-oriented languages. Um, working, uh, I, I mean, for me, I, I also did the whole learning your querying languages and stuff to manipulate data, not to have the data perform functions and things like that, but manipulating databases, because I, I love 
databases and how they're, I like query languages. They're pretty. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm <laughs> I just, I, I much prefer structured languages these days. That's why I love C sharp so much because I can, I can separate everything and everything has its own concern, which is the, the common separation of concerns principle that we all use, but all mm. developers should use rather if you can. <laughs> um, um, but I, I like the fact that C sharp is used in so many different places. That's why I, I still love it. But Python is also ubiquitous. That's a good way to put it. Python is actually very, very common. And Python, it, you can use Python in so many ways to help handle, say, server structure or mm -hmm. implementation or apps that you want to run. Like, it's versatile. Yeah, absolutely. So when someone says, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's just like in C Sharp and other languages. And this is one of those things where I kind of want to remind people, just because someone says they're a developer or they're into programming, it doesn't mean that they speak the same language as everybody else. And just because someone says they work with C Sharp doesn't mean they speak the same language as another C Sharper, because they could be working in vastly different environments with vastly different libraries and like other things that go with it. I but that's the same thing with Python. Hmm. <laughs> I can guarantee that Owen and I are from different worlds. If you're an Umbracore developer, uh, yeah. and that's exclusively what you do, your world will be very, very different from mine, which is best book C sharp yeah. development. Yeah, yeah. So just now, I'm uh, I probably ninety percent Umbracore developer, um, but due to kind of restructuring things, I'm starting to move more towards your traditional C sharp developer enterprise um, grade and, development. Yeah, and it's it's it is completely different, and I'm enjoying the challenge. But yeah, it's we we've had to um, kind of going off on a tangent slightly, but we've had to try and say that there is a difference between an Umbraco developer and a technical developer. There absolutely or, is, or, and yeah. that was that was actually one of my questions on the uh, that, that I placed in our document in our show document, um, asking what is a technical. Do I've, we're all technical. <laughs> I mean. I've never, I've never heard that title before. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a, just a job title, right? Uh, basically, uh, we, we've got um, front end developers, technical developers, and um, then Umbraco developers, um, right. which was our, our original structure. So it's, it's basically back end developer, right? Was classed as technical. So you're doing, you're now looking at things like uh, CQRS. I'm assuming again, everybody uses different patterns within their frameworks, dependency injection. Um, inversion of yep. control, that kind of stuff that you'd, you'd normally yeah. use in a, an enterprise environment. That's uh, basically the, the way that we're trying to go so that we can pick up projects that are um, non-Umbraco. Yeah. Yep. So. Okay, see, this goes back to sort of the whole language thing then. When you start to do a transition in project like this, when you go from, like you are saying, I was Umbraco, now I am something else. And it's the same thing within Chris, like you were saying, you know, you, Chris, have the experience of doing uh, Unity and game development with C, with C Sharp, and also Enterprise. Mm -hmm. I'm curious from both of you what you feel the differences actually are. Or what specifically? For your language, for C Sharp. In this, then, I mean, it's so, not just Python. We're talking pretty much multiple language, but this time we're looking at one language, different applications. Like, how do you see, like, is there a difference? Is it just once you understand C Sharp, you're fine and every well, the, yes, language-wise. So language-wise, C-sharp is C-sharp. It doesn't change. However, Umbraco, and I haven't used Umbraco for many, many years since one of the first incarnations of it. So again, it's probably changed. Umbraco, I would put in the same kind of category. It's, it's, it's a content management system. So yep. when you create Umbraco, it's like creating a WordPress website when you create, deploy an Umbraco um, application. It's, it's got certain features out of the box. When you want to extend it, it's like WordPress in that you would want to create additional scripts, which I think WordPress you do in PHP, do you? Is that right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to do some real best book customization, like creating a WordPress plugin, you do that in PHP. Umbraco is similar in that you would create, um, you would create plugins or additional features in the Umbraco framework. Umbraco. Umbraco. Sorry, I said it wrong about 500 <laughs> times now. Um, whereas, whereas C-sharp development, and please tell me if I'm wrong here, Owen, um, C-sharp development or enterprise-grade C-sharp development is very much about taking many different frameworks, many different packages, um, and putting a 
entirely bespoke system together from scratch using things like MVC, uh, .NET Core, Web API, for example, using um, dependency injection uh, patterns, using various different NuGet packages like Fluent Validation. I don't know. There's, there's hundreds of thousands of them. You know, there's so many things. But the, the skill of being an enterprise developer is knowing which tools you need to fill a specific purpose. So you cannot always, you're not always following the same patterns. No job that I've ever done has ever used exactly the same tool sets unless I've implemented a job, deployed it, and then moved on to another job and I've had full control over the, the tool set. So it's, you know, it's, it's very rare that something is similar. DNI, for example, the DNI website that uses exactly the same frame set as the client that I just finished previous to it because I really liked it. And then I'll learn something new. And next time I implement a website, I'll have I'll have another refined <laughs> tool set that I really like to use. You know, am I, I right is there? Owen? Is is Umbracore quite closed in the way that it works? Um, yes and no. Like there, there's there are certain ways that you you work with the CMS. But if you want to extend the CMS, then you can go right into .NET and just create a package that you want to build that that works with Umbraco CMS. Um, so, so, but you would use their their SDK of some description. Um, yes and no. Um, basically, <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. I, I don't do much package development, but I know people that have kind of built entire shops, mm -hmm. and they're basically, basically they're just hooking it into Embraco as the CMS. So you, you can make it very customized. Um, yeah. So yeah. So it's extensible. So when you say when you've moved from being an Umbraco developer, what did you, if you don't mind saying, what did you do on a daily basis? What were your tasks? Um, as a, an Umbraco developer or as a non? As an Umbraco um, developer. Umbraco developer. So it's, uh, a lot of it's kind of setting up the, the back office of the CMS and um, basically pulling any of the content that the editors are putting in and displaying it onto the front end in a way that they're, they're wanting. So like a bit of Razor, um, and nice. kind of just manipulating the data that the, the user has actually put into the CMS um, rather than actually building anything brand so spanking new. Razor is a view engine for anybody listening who heard that and didn't know what it was. It's, uh, it yeah. just allows us to display uh, a website in a particular way using a back-end programming language. Right, okay, so that's interesting. So you've moved into this technical team, and this technical team is, what do just they me. do? It's it's just, just you, just you at the moment. Okay, so what do you do, or what's your intention? I am the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is no me in team. Wait, yeah, no, there's, there's, no we're we're a really really small team. There, there's uh, basically myself and two other colleagues. One's full time front end. Um, I'm kind of the back end, uh, kind of doing technical stuff, and then the 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 guy in the middle does a bit of both. Um, so he's a bit of front end, back end, um, right. kind of going more full stack. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing things like uh, setting up uh, services on uh, servers, uh, running kind of reports, API queries, kind of all that, just running anything that's out with Embraco. Yeah, so basically, so, you're, as, as I just said, the, you're doing everything that you need, or anything that you need to do in order to fulfill yeah. a particular requirement using whatever tools yeah. you have available to you. And there's such a why, um, what's the word for it? The infrastructure, not the infrastructure, the ecosystem. Ecosystem, that's exactly the word I was looking for. Um, yeah, so it's, it's such a big ecosystem, the .NET ecosystem. Um, <laughs> like every language, PHP's got a, a massive ecosystem as well. You know, it's it's huge. And Python does as well. It's got a, a whole plethora of libraries, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there, there are so many things. Now, there is one thing that I think helps when it comes to learning a second language. And I want to throw this out there for those who are actually interested in learning a language at all. And then in the future, hopefully being inspired to get deeper into languages. And I want to make certain we include this. And that is, once you have learned one, there are things you can take with you into another. I remember when I first started getting into programming, I got confused by the difference between functions and methods. I remember when I first started getting into programming, understanding the difference between a library versus like 
a, a class, a subclass, superclass, like all kinds of terms and things. If then statements, when's a dual while? How would you actually do a sort? What kind of sort would you do? What's a bubble sort? How does it work? Like, like I remember the Towers of Hanoi being one of the first applications I had to write. Like things like that, you know. Yeah. Having this knowledge helps you because there are going to be things that are mentioned that you can easily associate and go, oh, well, pretty much every language I know of deals with variables in some way, shape, or form. Some are more strict about their variables than others. Some specify that you need to declare that this variable is a double, or this variable is a float, or a string, or something along those lines. Whereas others are like, hey, there's a variable, put whatever you want in it. I'll figure it out when I get to it. I'm looking at you. PHP, but um, <laughs> almost every know, scripting language, in fact, is is like that because they're interpreted. They, they're yeah, exactly. They come they come with interpreters, which try to make all the difference in the world. But having that kind of information helps. I mean, could you imagine at this current moment in time, learning Python and not knowing anything about programming? Yeah. Uh. I think I think that's partly why I wanted to learn a second language, because um, for for my background for, of C sharp, it's been self taught, so I can I can I can get something to work. I mean, just, and I can I'll pick up a program that I'm chucked into, and I'll understand it. I can read it and understand what's going to happen. But yeah, there's as you were saying there, there's kind of like what's the difference between a method? And what's the difference between a function? And if I try and read a book about C sharp, I'm like. I actually kind of know this, so you get bored. So it's like, well, if I go, if I go reading Python stuff, then there'll be stuff that crosses over, and I'm learning about programming, not just a language, but the actual kind of way the methodology, of, yeah, the methodology of, of actually programming. It comes back down to the um, the ability to, as a developer, to be a good developer. It's the ability to analyze and pick up information quickly and assimilate it in such a way that mm -hmm. you can make it useful to whatever task you're doing. I mean, I've, the amount of, I've, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I will not always turn to C sharp. It's not, it's not always my default language. As much as I love it and I know it as much as I do, it's not always appropriate. I've used, today I've used JavaScript, um, C sharp, Unity script. Yeah. Um, if anybody listening to this, knows what Unity Script is. It's, it doesn't know what Unity Script is. It's basically JavaScript that was written specifically for one of the very first Unity um, Unity, Unity 3D engines uh, that came out. Um, and it's completely obsolete by now. And it's been replaced <laughs> by C Sharp or Mono with C Sharp um, on top of it. Um, so I've done that. I've done, uh, did I say PowerShell? I've used PowerShell today. Um, and I've also used Bash Script just because I needed to use all those different hey, things for different tasks. Um, and then I've also used a proprietary scripting language that was written by another developer for a very sp a DSL, a, a domain-specific language, that's written for a very specific use case in an analytic environment because I needed to do it for very, something very specific. And it, I wouldn't ever claim to know. If, if I had a job and they said, can you pick up Python and run with it, there would be a massive caveat on top of it saying, yes, I can probably pick it up, but mm. I'm going to need some leeway for actually learning it and learning how to do things properly, especially if this is a big enterprise application. See, that right there, I think, says it all. It's not just learning it and being able to pick it up and run it. It's learning it properly, how to implement things in such a way. Yeah. I mean, there are so many tutorials out there in today's day and age for anything, anything at all. I mean, yay, bless the internets, but at the same time, it shoots us in the foot. Because there are so many people who will say, well, this is the way you want to do it. These are the ways you want to uh, set up this particular class or you want to extend or however you want to do things. And it can vary depending upon when it was out, what they learned, and everything else that goes with it. It's like there's a way to implement security. There is a way to implement tests. And there's a way to like build an app or build in a language regardless of what it is that will be either harder on the server or the database, depending on how many queries or how you're trying to run all those things that go with it. And there's methodologies that aren't clearly available 
because everyone has their own methodology of doing things. So being able to spend that time researching, well, it's recommended that you implement your functions in this methodology. It's recommended that you put them in this order or you have this particular call set up. It's called best practice, as we uh, we refer to it as patterns well, and practices. Yes. <laughs> But, but I just wanted to clarify for people who don't always understand what that means. And that's, so. that doesn't that doesn't always mean that even if you implement something using best practice, using the vendor recommended best practice, Microsoft, for example, for C Sharp, <laughs> publish all the, the vendor recommended ways to do things. Even if you implement them exactly as they are there, that doesn't mean they're not going to get modified for some other reason. There could be a business reason for you having to cut corners somewhere. I've just been doing a report today, which I've had a bit of a rant uh, to Josie about in private, um, about a piece of software that has been written by uh, over the course of four years by three distinct teams of people that have taken over, lost all knowledge, taken over again, lost all knowledge, and then I've now come on to have a look at something because they have nobody on site who knows anything about the application. It's complete mess. It, it is chaos in in that code base because there's been no standards and there's been no real investment in the software development life cycle in that particular company and unfortunately that we talk about the ideals but we cannot we can't always keep to them you know even in our own personal pro well in fact personal projects are probably the only exception well I, I throw out there that one of the things I mean there's when it comes to best practices there is um a way to find out best practices, which is generally speaking, just research, look around and read what people have to say with grains of salt until you figure out why. Um, but also by knowing what the best practices are, it gives you an opportunity to go, oh, I can cut that corner without it being too detrimental to the speed of the app or to the, the processing or towards the security. Although, please, whatever you do, don't ever 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 skimp on the security that should be higher priority than My the RTFM's functionality gonna, of your app make you very happy today josie <laughs> <clears throat> speaking of we are, rtfm we're probably at that point aren't we we are we are indeed at the rtfm point oh man yeah so we're at the point of the show called the rtfm which is where we get a chance to rant rave about something in our lives just to show you that we are human and uh it can be about anything from something that has happened to your dishwasher, to a client, to a particular function that's driving you crazy. So, Chris, you, you, you've already started on this, so I have to jump on you. Okay. On. So my RTFM today is actually to do with the code base that I've been looking at. Um, so bearing in mind that it is a, is a product of a situation that can't really be helped by all the developers. I'm sure they started off with great intentions. And it's got to a point where... Um, Medusa mess. was formed. Yes, it's it's a it's a it's an application that has um, no godly right to be as big as it is. It is so massive. It's not monolithic because monolithic generally means it's one big method or it's one big application that all time everything is dependency injected. Everything is um, everything's using various different design patterns. So it's as, it's as decoupled as it could be, but it's not been maintained very well. People have been scared to delete things. People have been scared to uh, move things or refactor. Spaghetti code. No, no. Uh, more about the structure of the project. So there's like three and a half mm. thousand um, scripts in this particular project or CS files. Each of those aren't individual classes. Some of them are partial classes. Some of them are classes that are... Uh, um, files that have multiple classes inside them. Again, this is all best practice stuff. You should really have one class per file. That's the general way we do things in C Sharp and most other um, object-oriented languages. Mm -hmm. um, um, but anyway, my RTFM actually surrounds the security aspect, something that I implemented. I put an API together, and that API has very high security because it, it's in a sector that needs it specifically, very specifically needs to protect confident, confidential information. So I put a lot of time into securing the part that I was working on, which was an API. I provided um, the API allocates JWT tokens and allocates claims on those JWT tokens. So that's a, a JSON web token, which is a common way that we use to um, communicate with APIs these days, RESTful APIs specifically. And I'm not going to go into all the descriptions of what we're, we're what they all these <laughs> acronyms You're mean. ranting. Um, but I found today, and this is a new implementation um, that has been put in there, I found 
three security keys hard-coded into the code base as default values, which could be updated, but they could only be updated via the Unity um, uh, Unity editor. So that means that old keys, the default keys, are stored for the UAT production and test environments in every single binary. So if we build for UAT, we build for a test server and we deploy it to a, a less secure test environment, if someone decompiles the assemblies, which is very easy to do in Mono and .NET because uh, they're not obfuscated or anything like that, um, they can decompile and they can directly read the API keys for production, for UAT, and for test. And these keys are app keys. On top of that, we have JWT tokens that are stored in non-secure manners on the actual client application so people could easily sniff them. Uh, and very, bearing in mind that I've put a lot of security into the API, so they, they're only valid for a short amount of time, but that still doesn't mean that people couldn't abuse that particular... Anyway, I've put this into my reports that I'm putting together because it's <laughs> a very big thing, and it should not have been done. And it might only be a minor thing, and the only reason that it's been implemented that way is for speed, so they could do it quickly and get it out and done. Because the person who wrote it definitely knew he shouldn't have done that. We even had multiple discussions about it, um, and he was a senior person there and it's it is what it is rant over <laughs> i might as well just adopt that as my rank because that just sounds <laughs> like uh, no no go on owen you, you got one come on owen. Uh, try to think though do i is there anything that is annoying you or getting to you no, because I'm on holiday tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, work finished at five o'clock and I forgot everything. <laughs> it's just like, um, no, uh, it, to be honest, seriously, it, it takes a lot to actually get me ranting about something. I, I, I try and keep a level head as much as I can. If, uh, yeah. Oh, that doesn't. Oh, oh that, that is was, such, oh, well, such a politically correct answer. Well, I'll, I'll oh, rant. nothing ever gets to me. I'll rant that I didn't manage to get my run tonight. I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a keen, I'm a keen runner, and uh, I had to work about later than planned, and uh, my, my whole my schedule went out the out the window because I was trying to finish things up because I'm on holiday tomorrow. So, uh, oh, you want to listen to our indispensable developer. Uh... A, um, podcast we did a while yes back. you totally I'll need should to, i'll need to catch up on that Definitely. yes 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 i'll, I'll um, listen to it while i'm running yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes you should in fact you can find us all over the place people just just look for documentation on clue we're, we're literally all over the place but anyway that, that that gets further away my rant is more or less just on me um I am in the process of doing a, a massive infrastructure update inside my company, which means I'm shifting um, servers, I'm moving around um, load balancers, like I'm getting all kinds of things organized and structured. And it's on me because I have found myself, because I got sick like two weeks ago where I had no voice and I couldn't move, it put me behind schedule in my project. And now I'm finding that I'm not sleeping as much as I should because I'm staying up working. And as we know, and we've learned, this is not a good thing. So my rant is actually at me. It's at me <laughs> for not planning for having someone be sick, AKA me. <laughs> I shall retract my seven minute rant about security and, and direct my rant at you then. Cause yes, yeah, I've told you many a time you need sleep. I'm in bed. I was oh, I mean, no, last that's night. Just it. I'm sleeping. I'm just sleeping too much because I think I'm still recovering from everything. So my schedule has shifted to such that like I, I'm spending longer time working because I'm not as uh, mentally adept or quick. And I know when I the warning signs start to show up where it's like, what what am I doing again? What's this button? Like you don't want to get to that point. You need to have your breaks, your, you know, get up, walk away, you know, that kind of a thing. And I'm just kind of mad at myself because uh, this past week, I haven't been able to follow through with that. So this is me literally just ranting at myself to get my shit together. So do it, Josie. Okay, Josie. Great. I'm glad. <laughs> so yes, we've now reached the end of our show here. Thank you so much to Tultepe and Invina and everybody else who happens to be watching us live as we record our podcast. Thank you so much. 
for joining us at come visit our website, which is written in C sharp. Hint, hint, <laughs> if you wish to get involved, Owen, you totally can. But you can find links to all of our podcasts, past ones. You can find links to our Discord server. Do come in, say hi. We rant, we chat, we discuss like everything. And of course, to our YouTube channel. Um, as a reminder, if you are not following us on YouTube, do so. Just follow us, subscribe to us, and then forget about us. We just really want a customized URL on YouTube, and that requires like 100 subscribers. So just go and subscribe and then forget about us. I, and I, I see actually, Owen now going. <laughs> I actually had some uh, some ideas about that, which I'll speak to you after the show, Josie. Ooh. No, they're not illegal. <laughs> Don't worry. They're not going to break any any youtube terms of service or anything like that do they involve bots and scripting no no not at all not at all um so yes you can use our website to contact us for any reason uh, www.dnistream.live please do get involved with the show send us questions comments uh, any kind of things that we can do to improve the show if you want to be a guest on the show please do get involved um, send us uh, your details and josie will arrange a date for you to come on uh, it is live though, so just bear that in mind. You need to be available at seven o'clock on uh, on a th when Thursday. 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 <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long week. Um, uh, the yes, so the, uh, the the code that Josie mentioned, the C sharp and the Angular code for our website is on uh, GitHub.com forward slash documentation not included. Um, we have got an ever growing list of uh, bugs and issues um, that I am some point going to get onto, but I have a guinea pig website that I'm currently trying to <laughs> trying to get finished. So um, that's taking priority at the moment before I uh, I get onto them. And thank you very much to Owen. Thank you very much for coming on. You've been a Pleasure. wonderful guest. I've learned a little bit about Python. I've had a look at it and actually inspired me a little bit to to get involved. And and I might do my next scripting lang uh, scripting task with it or. I'll figure something out. I'll figure something to do. I haven't got anything in my mind now, but I will do. Is there anything you want to pimp? Do you want to talk about? Do you want to mention your company, mention Umbraco or, or anything like that? Um, I suppose the only the only thing I would say is that I am going to be uh, documenting, 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 <laughs> documenting um, my journey through through my blog, uh, which is just uh, Owen .codes, Um and so I'll be blogging on there about my journey of learning Python. Um, just now, there's quite a lot of Embraco stuff on there, but um, I'm trying to expand. Um, so yeah, so that's that's where I'll be pimping all that kind of thing. Good stuff. Yes, I also want to mention to everyone who is listening that our show notes this week are going to have a bunch of bits and bobs in them, including links to some of the things that Owen has used for learning Python, including some tutorials that are cool and fun and interesting. And if you are interested in getting involved, be sure to visit our website so you can get those show links. Or if you're listening to us on YouTube, click in the link below. Or if you're like like on Apple or Google Pocket, like wherever the hell you find us, just just go to dnistream.live. Just go there. And uh, we all hope to at least see you next week, Thursday, 7 p.m. UK time on twitch.tni, twitch.dn. Wow, twitch.tv slash DNI. Keep your eye on Twitter Same. at DNI Stream <laughs> so that we can, you know, give you updates about things. Next week, we're back in the world of freelancing. We we're, we're, we're extending our, because this is episode 1.1, which might make people go, wait, what? Well, next week's episode is 11.2. So. <laughs> Welcome to the world of software development. <laughs> where development versioning actually declares what series we're doing. Yeah. But yes, next week we are going to be talking about the financial side of being a freelancer. And we have someone special showing up as a guest. It's my accountant, who is awesome. We're going to find out about how much Josie earns and how much money she's willing to give us all for just showing up uh yeah yeah tons so much <laughs> so much it's insane so much that i'm actually in a proper recording studio and if you were watching and not just listening you'd know whether that statement was true or not mm -hmm. you should join us live <laughs> i don't know i'm pimping all the things anyway thank you all so much for showing up owen you're a star and we will have you back because i'm going to like dig into stuff but yes <laughs> we'll speak with you all later next week yes bye Cheers. everyone bye, bye.